0: Welcome to episode 64 of the Becoming Human podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Bruce Pindolfo. He's a writer, poet, and -and up-and-coming hip-hop artist based out of the East Coast. He runs a weekly freestyle hip-hop video series on YouTube called Spontaneous Sundays. Watching somebody riff, coming up with material on the spot is wild. When it's done well, the energy is electric and you get to see someone as they are. Every All One Voice album I hear from Bruce is exponentially surprising with his growing talent, emergent writing style, and wordplay. Bruce is in the thick of his pursuit of being a performer and writer. It's evident that he's reflected on his efforts in the path that lay before him. It's beautiful to watch someone and connect with them as they pursue a curiosity that expands into passion. I'm constantly reminded that the people we admire are another version of ourselves, riding the momentum of a few curious notions and actions. You can find him on Bandcamp, YouTube, and social media as all one voice. I'll be sure to put the links in the show notes. Hey folks, it's hot out there. Provide a ginger, freckled friend with some shade by buying a flat bill from the website. BecomingHumanPodcast.com. Apparently... People with that complexion can't tan. What? 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 I know. Crazy, right? I feel so bad for them. That's why I made hats. <laughs> nah, not really. But I have a, a couple of friends, and when they get sunburned, their freckles grow larger. That's crazy. Man, I've been, like, loving the sun and not even considering what it must be like. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please rate, review on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher. I'll play you in with a track by all one voice called Sloth. It's one of his recent releases and I'm loving it.
1: Lazy, lazy eyes open crazily, confused and disappointed. His reactions, reactions to a zeitgeist tape scene. Aging Apollo, quite moved past high noon. Waking our appointed protagonist a handful of years after 18. Kicks off rank sheets, stomach grumbles thinks he may eat. Stumbles navigating a trash mosaic like a found art painting. Turn on his TV, HD, preparing to play weed. Well, he'll need to work up an appetite to pacify the pain he's had inside for a straight week. Straining, slaving into the bathroom, wash up his face, leak which With morning wood is a hell of a strange deed Wait, speaking of morning wood Wake and bake please Filet trees blaze weave and pancake feet. Fantasy is perfect till the agony resurfaces Gravely tasting copper in its drained cheeks Spits in the cake sink faucet, drips, takes, drink, what's causing this? He just asks JC. Draw a quick bath, get soaked, skip soap, mom's pantine, lather, rinse, nay, repeat, step out, damp towel, not daily in his grooming routine, but nicotine stains teeth, so Colgate squeeze. then he'll brush teeth like baleen, Vaseline on dry skin, flaking. then forgetting cosmetics, offset his aching resumes greatly as he's pacing through his parents' place, freeloading, cheat coding, pasty character grabs, use pants, change Jeans, plain team, needs phone He ungratefully sends mama livid text A grocery list with no requests and no respect Must call physician He's been a lame, leeching, lowlife like this Since the 80s, parasitic methods Since his parents sympathetic Enter kitchen, ain't no need to touch the switch The sun's arisen already back to dust It's drifting. days weak Bust the fridge and thrust his fist in Favorably chug provisions, sudden pressure Rage seething like Hades in his frame He's brittle bent, silhouette a little letter R-shaped seeps a similar sound escape Sleeping out you're lating a deranged scream. <laughs> recipe product of excess and greed lethargy in the dead routine sedentary squalor sloth sedative season squandering his energy all this thoughtlessly and restlessly All it needs expending, see? Awfully and wretchedly His body starts to rush and heat Floating as it's rendering He's clawing, crying desperately Popping eyes like Mr. Bean Coughing violent, vexed and green drawn disguises, as tension teams Frothing by a free to Atomic levels getting speed And appalling public improv Slashed upon the walls impressively With a sickening, deafening crunch and pop As the climax pressure geez. no pen should speak, as an author I should set the scene. These are horrors that no pen should speak, as an author I should set the scene. But these are horrors that no pen should speak. Mother walked in unsuspectingly, and saw it all viscerally, lost her lunch and fled and screamed. It isn't often red and pink, organized confetti streams, cover the walls and everything, amongst ungodly fetid instincts father called the cops and tended to sheep, all the while stressing weeks. authorities assessing deemed it unanimously puzzling panic when some company men showed to handle it and hushed the press evading all the publicists and changing over subjects when they came to gather coverage later in the months that led police labeled it disgusting the strangest they had come in contact with no explanation or a culprit lovecraft to this day some bring it up and while the jade horns get to chuckle like the laughter is labored by the first responder team that can't erase the thoughts that stuck in it. Sloth may not go unpunished, though spontaneous combustion was a theory in discussion, popularly according to the rumor mill mythology. And these rotten things have haunted me, cause while I'm not sure that I agree, the story's true. I lost my son and I've dodged lethargy doggedly every day. I'm afraid that it might bottle up. The story's true. I lost my son and I have dodged lethargy doggedly every day. Afraid to it my bottle up uh.
2: an awesome weekly show called Spontaneous Sundays for quite a while now um, yes, sir. this week <laughs> I
3: believe is, is the seventy ninth week so.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> so so we're I guess a little over the uh the year and a half mark
2: mhm, wow man. Was it like so? Could you explain to the audience uh, what it is and, and how it started?
3: Yeah, um, so it's a weekly improv like hip hop freestyle, you know, recording. I guess the show is is an accurate description, but um, and it started as you know. So basically, I'll throw on beats and I'll have either a guest rapper or poet or singer. Lately, I mean, the majority of them when i initially thought of it i really wanted to have someone new every time and it kind of just turned out that schedule wise it's just really hard to do that and sometimes i just ended up and the majority of them now have just been i'll have a a different uh guest producer um and i would i've been poring over uh bandcamp pretty often and just doing a discover search for cool producers and instrumental you know um creators and and see how no. that tickles me, and I tend to just, if I, I'll skim a couple of songs, and then I'll, if I figure I like the stuff, and it seems like, you know, there's not too many samples, or it doesn't slip over too too much, or there's not, you know, there's just a good chunk of, of just pure uh, beats and instrumentation that, you can flow over then i'll like, pick it up i try my best to support you know because the show doesn't do much for anybody but besides uh, mm-hmm. hopefully the, the watch the viewers but it's not like i'm able to remunerate anybody so mm-hmm. i try to like buy the projects and then uh then i just wrap over them and and just improv i i press go i have a gopro and it's very no frills no bells no whistles um mm-hmm. i i it started out because i've you know i've always loved improvising i've always loved freestyling and, um, for a, for a while I was thinking of doing a project where people, several years back I thought of a project where people could just submit prompts, and then I would go in the studio one day and document this whole improv journey and just do an improv album.
2: Uh, You've been running...
3: Everyone, like a sort of, uh, you know, pull topics out of a hat and whatever happened in that moment, that was a recording of that song. And, um... <laughs> And and just, you know, I nowadays at the time there wasn't any live streaming, so this was several years ago. I'm dating myself, but um <laughs> so at the time there wasn't an option, but now if you did that you could do live stream. You know, there are a couple of successful people on like the Busker app and whatnot, or they, they just live stream freestyles and people will comment Uh, or submit little messages in real time, and then the guy will just pick up that topic, which is things I've done live in my shows, uh, in my concerts for a while now, um, since almost the inception of what I do. But, um, yeah, so it was really also, it was a matter of not knowing how I would go about it. I um, I didn't have the technology available to me, and around, so last two Christmas, I guess two Christmases ago now, a bunch of my friends, um, pitched in and surprised me and my housemate hey got together and he got a uh, probably a pantheon of like 20 or so of my friends and asked them to contribute and they all pitched in and and bought me a, a new laptop and Uh-oh. he just one day was like hey cuz i was running a Toshiba satellite from like uh-huh. 2007 for about 10 or so Ooh. years as like an old junker thing i couldn't even like i at best I was like able to go online and then mm-hmm. write on it and you know, and that was kind of it it was pretty clunky and have, uh,
2: you, oh, have you always had friends that would that would do that for you though is is like to help you out um, like that
3: i mean i always i i am blessed to be surrounded by good people and i i tend to you know i i am kind of a i always keep people like around me if I think of people, like I don't let go of people easily and I also don't hold it against people when they, you know, just have distance or they get involved in something and they disappear for a little while. I'm always the person who, like if I think of you, then I'll probably message you for no reason like if in the rolodex of of connections i've made in my mind like if i think of someone i probably just will be like hey you know just thought of this thing about you or this when i heard this podcast or i heard this song i thought of mm-hmm. you send it over and and let that be and so you know I have a, a nice variety of friends regardless of how often I see or don't see them and they all happen to be uh remarkably generous and and that's a great example of that I was like in tears when I got the card I couldn't believe it and uh and in that same time I had sort of a nice little surplus of money because I was working some extra extra hours and I got myself uh, a GoPro and I was like you know I'm just going to jump into it and do it and you know it's not going to be pretty. It might not be. It might not be greatly edited or anything. And I realized I decided you know whether it was self-serving or not. <laughs> um, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I decided you know what, like the no frills, the no cuts, no edits, and you know at best you know I put on te- I put text and I do fade in and <laughs> and a fade out. <laughs> but you mm-hmm. know, yeah. I put the text of what episode it is and who the producer or the guest rapper is or whatever. And and that's about as technical as I get with it, which is something I might change and something I'd probably like to change as this thing continues. But um I decided that it was better to just start something and then figure it out as I go than to just wait around <laughs> for the perfect moment. Because I think a lot of people get trapped and stifled by that, and mm-hmm. there is no perfect moment. And this conceptually was something that was it almost benefited from that you know it was like well I don't want to do a lot of cuts I don't I don't I want to be as true to capturing the rawness and the vulnerability of of what this is and I remember it was like September I recorded one and And I was like, I didn't really know what I was doing with editing and how to post it. And then also I found myself initially like really reluctant because I was like, oh, man, there's a bunch of moments where I look really stupid or I'm slipping up a lot and it's awkward. And, you know, and then I said, well, that's the greatness of this. You know, that's the humility of improvising is, you know, for me, some of the, the best moments in improv, whether it's musicians or rappers or whatever, is when you see someone fall off and pick it back up. And the fact that you can see someone's like mind almost happening in front of you, um, mm. it's and it's it's sort of this unabridged version of of someone trying to to do a craft and trying to just think out loud and stream of consciousness, whether it's you know instrument speaking through their hands or whatever, or their skills and or it's literal words and speaking. Um, I decided like that's what I wanted to get across and what made me decide to do it this way which became like a way grander version of the concept of of doing the album uh, aside from it's not always so interactive you know sometimes it's just me kind of journaling out loud um it was that i i heard a um i read an interview with one of my favorite rappers uh and and people in in hip hop uh sage francis and he he said something about how he stopped freestyling at shows because it stopped being fun for him when technology came into play and everyone was just staring at him with their phones recording. And it was like not, it wasn't in the moment as much. It wasn't as live. And the stuff that you would say off the cuff that would just kind of be dorky or stupid or potentially just offensive because you said something dumb and you were just in character and goofing in the moment, um, or said something out of character. Uh, now it was immortalized, and it was to be judged. You know, he felt that people were probably judging it, you know, and judging him or whatever, or just as much as they would judge, you know, an album that he poured over and slaved Ooh. over. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, I decided I wanted to subvert that fear entirely, and use the technology to instead uh, confront all of that. And I know my music tends to be really pedantic and and very. Uh sort of like laboriously written, and it leaves a i leave a lot of like layers to be unearthed, and there's a lot to think about, and it can be really heavy and if any if you spend any time with me like that's definitely a part of of that, but I'm also kind of a goofball and i you know and all these <laughs> other things that that doesn't always necessarily come through the music, and I was like, well, this is an opportunity to just or just to express myself and as raw or real whether it's happy whether it's serious whether it's sometimes aggressive in a sort of ironic way or if it's if it's really melancholy like this is an opportunity to to do this and to present that to people and maybe they'll get a kick out of it in the meantime and Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it's become now it's just become this sort of weekly cathartic ritual for me Um, whether it's something fun and communal with friends or I just jump in my car for 15 minutes, press go, and then whatever happens, happens, and you've gotten, uh, you know, you've sort of gotten this clip of what my brain was like reflecting on mm-hmm. things or just whatever happens to be pouring out of the the uh, lingual palate of, of my psyche, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah. I think it's it's awesome to be able to, to watch you develop um, over time, and even, you know, having those moments, you're right, where you slip up, um, it's it's very relatable. Or even if you were to say something, you know, offensive that was just right off the top of your head or uh or silly, that's very much who we are. And I think sometimes it can be hard less and less now with um, the Internet. However, when people would go on for those, you know, like 15-minute interviews on TV or something, you'd only get a snippet of who they are, and usually that's a very manicured version of who they are. And it's very easy to become diluted um, by your – not diluted by your idols, but to dilute yourself in the image of your idols or your role models, whoever that may be. And you, you know, you look at someone and you're like, oh, they've never thought about – Um, killing themselves they've never gotten you know really frustrated or they're really good at this and they've never fucked up at all right it couldn't be further from the truth and it's it's interesting to me in like um comedy for instance when someone bombs i really want to see how they dig themselves out of that hole and that's almost as a comedian watching a comedian that is the most interesting part of it all
3: yeah that's uh that's that's true. I think you're you're just kind of offering a more nuanced. That's why I really love long-form interviews generally. When I listen to podcasts and stuff, I, I don't really want to hear it edited as much. Um, I mean, I'd like to hear like I listen to the Sam Harris um, Waking Up podcast, and one thing I admire about him a lot is while they're long-form podcasts, what he says is like if at any moment um, he, the the in person he's interviewing maybe didn't represent their view perfectly or the way that their view actually is as far as information mm-hmm. or whatever and like he he says well you know I'll when we finish or if they want to stop like I'll offer them the opportunity to like articulate themselves in a better way you know because mm-hmm. I really I don't want to misrepresent you or like have this gotcha moment you know I want mm-hmm. I want it to be and I'm not here to like trick you into finding this one moment where maybe you said something but that's not really the, the best version of, like, what you actually feel or think. Like, I want you to really articulate how you feel. And for me, like, that's the songwriting part. And then the, mm-hmm. the freestyling, uh, you know, offers sort of more of um an ephemeral, like a fleeting sort of flippant uh, uh, window into, like a sort of like a periscope out of the depths of my head and, and offers a little mm-hmm. view into, like, well, here's what's been going on with this guy this week or literally in this moment. Because, like I said, I mean, a lot of the times I don't even listen to the music. Most of the time, by a, as a rule that I've just given to myself for whatever reason, I just don't even listen to the music beforehand at all. I just kind of, I got the thing, I put it in my in my car, and I just press go and see what happens. Whatever the tempo is, however, whatever the time signature or the vibe might be, I just try mm-hmm. to like let that pull out of me what it will. Um, and there's a couple of them that are like, I look back and I'm like, oh my god, like I was really. <laughs> I really apparently needed this one to to really ventilate some things that were, you know, dredged up in me. And, um, Mm -hmm. it's fun. I mean, it's a, it's got a really small audience, but uh, it seems like people enjoy it. And I I think it's helped me, uh, gain a lot of confidence, um, Mm -hmm. or just accept and enjoy that I have, you know, this capability or this skill and and make me more comfortable with utilizing it. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think like one of the most annoying things is when people are like, oh, you freestyle or whatever? Okay, go. Oh, you know, as a comedian, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that. Oh, you're a comedian? Okay, be funny now, you know? Yeah. It's, like, that's not, that's, I don't know, that's not really how it works. Like, mm. Sure, I guess I could. But that's funny enough, That's. I mean, maybe it's that I'm in my comfort zone just jumping mm-hmm. in my car and talking to a GoPro or whatever, but that is what I end up doing to myself, I'm like, I'll just be eating one minute, and then I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I, I still got to do that." All right, and then I jump in the car and drive around my neighborhood for 15 minutes, and I really do put myself in that situation. But mm-hmm. uh, I have a friend, Elliot Green, who I had. He's a he's a poet. I've known him for a long time, and I had him on an earlier episode. I, I don't remember what the what number it was, but um, he at some point uh, kind of stopped writing because when he was performing, he didn't want the responsibility he didn't like the responsibility of memorizing everything anymore. um, Mm -hmm. And yet he didn't want to perform with like paper in front of him. And so Mm -hmm. he just started like improvising almost exclusively with every performance. And we, the, the same episode or the same week that we perform, we uh, did the episode together. It might be like, I don't know, episode seven or something or five. So it's way Mm -hmm. back It's last year. But, I just saw him get into, we went to a house party. It was like um, a political event where we were all like getting together and talking about, um, I think at the time, it was like right after Trump, and it was the immigration, the initial immigration ban talks mm-hmm. and whatnot. And So it was like a signing party and a petition party and stuff, and you know, really fun stuff.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, they also
3: had a bunch of um, poets performing. And, uh, there's this whole group of people, and he, and we're talking, we're talking, we're hanging out, we're watching these performers, and he's like, oh, okay, I think I'm gonna have to, you know, perform soon. And then he's, I just like watch him do this, get into this med- meditative state, and then he just goes up there, and he's completely engaged and engaging. It's not like he has his eyes closed, and he's hiding away, and he's just going. He's just entirely in the moment. And it was, bre- I had like pins and needles, my hair was standing on end. It was just, crazy to watch someone do that and be doing the high wire the the high wire act of improvising in person to people in such a vulnerable way and and i said like he literally the way he describes it is like he opened he says like in my head i kind of like open the door and i imagine like i just kind of like imagine myself that i'm going into like my head or i'm going into this creative space and i just kind of walk myself down the hallway into a sort of like hypnotic uh canal of of my thinking, and then I just like opened myself up to being the conduit for whatever is happening in my brain and whatever like however that cross references my skill set and like he performed these two unbelievable like slam poetry pieces that were completely off the head, and he hardly missed a beat you'd think he had rehearsed it and wrote it for hours, mm-hmm. and uh it was just. In awe-inspiring, and, and it was that's something that I'm finding myself able to get to in some ways, and that's something that, like, a project like this and an experiment like that really, like, is helping me to achieve, like, a new level of growth as an artist, which that's always mm-hmm. exciting to me to find a new avenue or to get a little more comfy and, and to approach it humbly like that. And then to have the accountability to say to the public every week, hey, this is going to happen, you know, kind of puts me in a, well, you have to do this corner. Um mm-hmm i I'm indebted now to you know again, not like there's all these people sort of waiting with with you know jittery and drooling, but um, I've kind of created that expectation in my head, and uh, like I have to deliver, and so it puts me in a position where I've got to do that and it's very it's very fun and humbling and and exciting, so I'm glad you're getting some out of it
2: uh, has um creating like a this show has it helped you? in your performances um, as a hip-hop artist?
3: Um, I think so. I mean, it makes me more, like I said, it made me more comfortable as an improviser. Mm -hmm. So, like, even in, like, I used to want to plan to do um, a freestyle, like, maybe every show or every other show, and sometimes I would just kind of chicken out of it, and I would just feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes people are feeling it, sometimes people aren't. And now I kind of just own it. I tend to think that everyone. Maybe this is a personal problem. Maybe this is more widely. Uh, some, you know, there's some more wide experience of this. But I tend to think that everyone has the same expectations of me as I do. And it turns. And realistically, probably no one has the same. No one mm-hmm. has as, <laughs> as harsh expectations of me as I do. Um, so it's just like, okay, we'll do whatever I deem to be good. And, and frankly, as long as I'm enjoying myself and feeling like I'm growing and being true to myself, that should be enough. Yeah, like I shouldn't externally reference for uh, like any kind of like validation or any kind of like to see who's holding the cards up. But as a performer, you always kind of think that, I think, you know, I mean, you don't want to just not have this devil-may-care attitude and not consider mm-hmm. at all, because otherwise just keep it to yourself, you know, so at some point the audience does come into play. Um, So I'd say that it helped me with confidence in bringing me out as an improviser more. Um, And also it blossomed into a new opportunity that I have uh, with my friend Kev, who's been on several episodes, as well as my DJ, uh, Second Nature. And now we're doing like a live version of this as though we're sort of lounge, the lounge musicians or performers um, in a, in a venue in Forest Hills, which is, you know, in the Queens area. And, um, at this bar, and we just did our first one, uh, last Tuesday, and we, we did like all, the, it was like, whose rhyme is it anyway, kind of, where we had an easel, we had like an, an easel and words, and we had people like come up and write words down or draw pictures, and we had people call out <laughs> topics, and we had, um and we we would do all these little games we invented. We battled each other. We compliment battled each other, and we did oh, all things so we cool. called the uh, yeah. It was great, and we did a couple other little games and and whatnot. And we ended up going for three hours straight, literally three wow. hours straight. And we we paused a max a cumulative amount of time of maybe five minutes, um, mm-hmm. and we didn't even realize. You know, we were just sort of in in the flow in the flow state, uh, and um, And so that not only became, like, not only were we able to do that, and not only through this was I given an opportunity, both, like, you know, financially and whatnot, and we'll see what that grows into, Mm -hmm. but uh, it kind of put me in a position where I was comfortable enough and I met friends. I've also, like, made closer friends by doing the series, so Mm -hmm. that's kind of helped as well. But, yeah, I think it just really comes down to it's helped me to feel more, not only confident, but. It's loosened me up a little bit as far as mm-hmm. how and what I do um, when I'm performing and when I'm around people. It's it's not just a matter of like feeling like I'm deserve praise, but and and being confident. But it's also that hey, I can I can loosen up. I know I'm going to deliver, and I can call upon my skills. And I think what that does is it gives you a little more control um mm. and which only results in better things for everybody right if you're able to you know if you're able to really harness what you're doing well then you're mm. able to, ha- to finesse it and have some have some grace to it because once you're comfortable then then you it just means that you're doing all these things in like not as knee jerk reactions but as seasoned reflexes and it's mm. definitely helped me you know now i have a documented uh hour like you know probably a day straight worth of improvising at this point i mean some of these episodes are like half hour long and there's nearly 80 of them um but yeah so so i think that's probably the the
2: biggest influence it's just more comfort
3: and and a little more confidence and and definitely skills like it's just definitely there's definitely there's skills to improvising as much mm-hmm. as you can't practice it i think there is uh you learn different um you definitely learn different strategies to picking yourself up like you said like when someone's bombing you learn ways to pick that up uh just as when i'm performing writing or written stuff you know i know when i mess up i know how to you know i've always like okay if i slip up words well then i'll improvise or you know and i'll just i won't miss a beat as, as long as i can help it and no one will be the wiser or that will be cool when they notice it you know um
2: S- slipping up doesn't have much of a bearing like uh, i'd almost think of like slipping up where some people were like oh that guy sucks and in my opinion slipping up's just like getting tired when you run or uh something of that matter I- as in it's like it's something that is bound to happen during the process and it's all right. about really what you do in response to it and-, and how you can use it as a creative stimulus as opposed to letting it be a negative thing and thank you like
3: yeah yeah I think I think that's true as well and I, I forget what the exact quote is but there's uh I think there's something about um something by Miles Davis about improvising and he basically says like if you miss a note like you just use that as the jumping point for a different one or it just takes you basically like if you get derailed it's just an opportunity for you know a detour kind of uh, is basically mm-hmm. the analogy um, and that's exactly how I think about improvising, and it's exactly how I think about uh, so-called slipping up on things. It's like, okay, well, this is the new opportunity. Like, I'm just going down that way. Like if I drop the rhyme scheme or I say a random word that, you know, wasn't what I expected, well, it's okay. Then that's, that becomes, I start thinking off of that thread, and it's developing mm-hmm. those quick reflexes and, and really the, the perfect balance of being both uh, surrendering completely to whatever is, about to happen, but also maintaining a sort of light handed control, uh, or a sort of like a light grip over, over what you're doing. Um, because I find that the best, I don't know if you've ever experienced this or seen this, but I think like the people who often don't even do any, like they don't, maybe, I'll stick to rapping. Like people that don't rap, sometimes they'll be surprisingly good just because they, don't have any expectation for themselves and so they don't as long as they're free and open enough like maybe i don't know they're at a party and they drank a little or and they're just goofing off or they smoked or something and and then they're like yeah let's freestyle cool um they have no judgment in their head of themselves and that does a lot It, it creates a sort of you know uh writer's block and i think Again, maybe we've talked about, I don't remember in our last talk, but as far as writer's block goes, you know, I think it's just we get in our own way because of our expectations. Our expectations sort of tighten the filter more and more around what we allow out of ourselves until it becomes a, a blockage, and we have to chip away at that again you know again and it's uh, very self-imposed so Mm -hmm. i find that like the more you're able to be ego free or the more you're able to be like hey sometimes this is gonna suck and that's okay and it doesn't matter at all like it's just the moment and it's fun and uh that's what a lot of the interactivity of of the live stuff is about is like Mm -hmm. people just enjoy that this is happening and again like Mm -hmm. most people can't do it uh, but I think like when I encourage people, that's something I was just saying last night I'd love to do is get more people who don't really necessarily even rap or whatever or don't feel like they have anything to prove when they, when they start talking. <laughs> um, just get them doing it and it just being fun and being open and you know, I, I find that those kind of those moments bring out surprising things from people. and They'll say some crazy lines or they'll say some really funny, interesting thing once they just kind of get into the groove of it and they start riding the beat and saying some stuff and not being afraid that they look stupid. And that mm-hmm. probably is true across the board of experiencing life is once you stop being so self-conscious about it and overly aware, then you're able to just act in the moment and it all becomes so much more fluid and enjoyable and rewarding, right? So. Mm-hmm,
2: and relatable, And, like, I I think most people just appreciate that you're playing the game, whether that's like, you know, hip hop or, you know, whatever it may be.
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: I've had that time and time and again when I would go up and I would do uh, poetry or someone else would, and sometimes you'd get the person who would, um, including myself, uh, would bring something up and it would be completely, you know, written. And they would just put the paper up in front of their face, and they'd read it, and it'd come off kind of dry. However, everyone would celebrate them mm-hmm. for coming up there. And
3: right. I mean, that's that's the, uh, the number one fear in the world is public speaking, <laughs> remarkably. Um, so I think... Again, I always tell people that, and I'm always trying to encourage people. Like, if you have something you want to do that's creative, please just do it. Like, mm-hmm. you'll help you. You'll probably help other people, or it'll be something they can enjoy as well. And why not? You know, mm-hmm. who, who cares? What, what is good anyway? Like, it's yeah. what it, don't just make, you know, it's just whatever. Mm-hmm. And But again, it's like about, like you said, most people wouldn't even do that. Most people wouldn't even go up. So mm-hmm. the fact that you're doing that at all. I'm always stunned by it. Like I have close friends that will say stuff like that. They'll say like, I don't know how you get up there. I don't know how you do that. That's just amazing in itself. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't know. I feel so at home, but it's just because yeah. I've been doing it enough that it's, I realize that it's just, it's nothing else. It's not, it's nothing new. It's nothing wild or insane. You're just, I think it's just something natural in us that it's scary to like, you know, for our monkey mind to be, you know, in the face of, dozens of other faces or maybe hundreds or whatever and have all those people potentially deriding us or whatever Mm
2: -hmm. and um that's the thing that that i find with like even with any performing i've always heard that uh, most of it is just getting out of your own way and um i i see that more and more when i when i get up because i mean everyone's personality it appeals to a certain niche like are you're saying where with your albums, right, you do a lot of writing, you add a lot of layers and intricacies, and some people will get turned off by it, but some people will get turned on by it. Because, like, as an individual, you are not so, um, what is it, so strange or so unique that nobody can relate to you. That is almost impossible by definition.
3: Right. Yeah, I and mean, that's it, something I've always said to people, or I've always, I've often thought is that uh, just be a human being the way that you are and like, you know, exactly, that's the whole idea of the all one moniker, right? Is that like the thing that makes us, uh, the thing that makes us all um, united is also that we're all unique in some way. But you know, we have so many commonalities, and we have so many, there are so many people that you'll be surprised once you legitimately open up, you know, will relate to what you're saying or what you're doing, whether it's conversation or through art, Mm -hmm. that, like, exactly, you just have to kind of find the the sort of group of people that are somewhat like-minded when it comes to art, at least, so that they can enjoy it, but if you're, you're coming from a human place, so innately, you know, just by sheer statistics and by sheer, like, psychology and biology and humanity, that's just going to resonate with some group of people, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. I-, I love the way that you articulated um, how you feel about performing. Because when you say you feel so at home with performing, but you can recognize that over time that that's something that you fostered. Yeah. hmm people like uh, Tim Ferriss, right? Where he is an author and he does like the Ted talks among many other things and his podcast. And if, if it weren't for um, the countless hours of audio that he has, I would have assumed that, oh, this guy is just some fearless dude who exudes confidence, right? And has this expertise that he was just given. However, just, just going out and doing it over time, I would argue that you become unrecognizable to the person who started this this journey, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no
3: substitute for experience. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. I said, I mean, that's like kind of what we said at the top of talking about the Spontaneous Sundays thing is is I just, you can't wait for the perfect time. It's just, you got to do it. And then, you know, just jump and grow wings on the way down kind of thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. As and there's to, like,
3: not sitting mm-hmm. somewhere and then willing yourself to grow wings and then somehow learning to fly without ever actually leaving ground. You know. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and and in this scenario too, is if you end up falling, it's not like you're gonna break something permanently. It'll only just be temporary, you know. And and people right. excuse it because like if Sage Francis were to were to like look at your very first song that you've ever made and it's like, oh nice man. Good start. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And um when you were doing those spontaneous Sundays did you ever have a moment where you didn't want to release one of the videos because uh of the quality of it or you're self conscious and um how did you cope with that? Um just with
3: the very first one uh, like mm-hmm. I said, and then after that, like I I set it aside. I set the idea aside for a few months. And once I got, because I had, you know what it was, is I had the GoPro for a few months before I had the laptop. And once I got the laptop, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was the one I recorded was in September. And I, there's even like there's definitely like researchable, archived social media. Like evidence where I jumped the I, I like jumped the gun and was like, hey, I'm recording this new thing. I'm gonna do this freestyle series, and then I I didn't announce it and I just didn't do anything after that because I was really <laughs> displeased and sort of embarrassed by my garage recor- recording of of a generally mm-hmm. lame thing and um and then once i got the laptop i realized i was like look it's the beginning of the year like this is the perfect like fresh start like just go just do it and then by the end of the year you'll have 52 of these things just stick with it don't um i think it was tim ferriss in that he he was influential in that he said something about how um imagine how it would look like, like before going into something uh imagine what it would look like if it were easy don't you know and that's how he started doing the podcast which is now Mm -hmm. like a hit you know top podcast etc but he's like just imagine what it would look like if it were easy first and do that and then you can improve upon it but like for me it was like okay well i just press start on the gopro (laughs) and then i i just cut you know a little whatever is extraneous or whatever and that's that but after after i did that first one I mean, there's been moments, or there's there's definitely moments in every one of them where I'm like, oh god, you know, like someone, <laughs> I'm sure people are gonna watch this and be like, man, this guy is is uh, this guy sucks or this guy's terrible or or whatever. And I always, you know, not that it's entirely engaged with much, but I'm always inviting people to be like, hey, if you have suggestions on how I can make the series better from a production standpoint, or people you want me mm-hmm. to invite on, or producers I should use, or Or just, like, how I can be better or more interesting as a freestyler, you know, Mm -hmm. let me know. Feel free to deride. Feel free to critique me. It's fine. You know, and I kind of am just like, you know what? It's this thing that's happening in this moment. And... (laughs) And whatever, it's fine. You know, it, I'm not defined by these moments. I'm not, you know, I'm not... And that's something that it takes a while to learn, both in life and in this art form. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's definitely been ones where I'm like, oh, man, I, I feel like I fumble a lot. I don't think I've ever re-recorded, unless it was an accident, where, like, there's definitely been times where my battery died midway through, and <laughs> um and I was like, oh, man, I really feel like I was going on something there, and I don't know, I lost it. Um mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever... I, I'm pretty sure that I've never actually re-recorded or just been like, "Oh, that's garbage. I'm going to scrap that," um, mm-hmm. because of it not being good, you know. And that's not to say because I think it's all good. It's just because I, I've committed, uh, I've committed in my heart in this project to just being as, you know, warts and all as I can, okay. and right. and be allowing myself that vulnerability and allowing. The audience to see that because, you know, if there's that juxtaposition between the flawed moments sort of really only bring light to the quality of the greater moments, you know, and and the flawed moments really like how often, I mean, even the, like, Sway in the Morning freestyles, the, the famous one, uh, the the most amazing, one of the most amazing freestyle videos of all time is is the, I think, is the Idea and mm-hmm. Slug on the Sway in the
2: Morning oh, like, yeah. makeup
3: show, right? Where it's, like, t- 22 minutes of those two riding it out together and Idea just being a ridiculous genius and Slug, like, also flexing his his genius for that and them jumping back and forth. But, like, how I realized after a while, like... Not to say that I have the same quality or whatever, but, like, I'm consistently delivering things that most people are not, which is, like, you know, even this way in the morning stuff is, like, this guy freestyles for five minutes, and it's fine, but, like, Mm -hmm. I can look at some of that and be, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I have a couple of those. (laughs) Like, if I look at the quality of it or whatever, and it's, like, well, I have a couple of those, and it doesn't take anything away from them, but it also Mm -hmm. reminds me of, like, okay, you know what, maybe it doesn't have the attention, and that's fine, but mm-hmm. um, the fact that I'm willing to go there, the fact that I'm willing to have those flaws, the fact that like mm-hmm. I'm willing to fumble, it, it also brings something to the table that is sorely missing uh, mm-hmm. in, in hip-hop, I think, um, is the humility and is the humanity of screwing up that's available mm-hmm. when you are legitimately improvising. And in the era of... Um, of all battling, and I love watching rap battles, and a lot of people have polarized views on this, but in the current written era of battle rap, um, that stuff is, is deeply rehearsed, and, and freestyle is is a rare and hugely worshipped ability, and it really ends up being that like you have three minutes during the other person's round to think of a two-line, four-line rhyming rebuttal to what they're saying, and when people do that on a consistent basis, they're like legends as geniuses. And, and, you know, it harkens back to, you know, yes, there's a lot more quality in the writing and performance now that these things are, are written rounds from people, but also, you know, that, that the fact that freestyling is so rare is, is kind of a huge perversion to the idea that battling used to be exclusively freestyle and people were putting themselves on the line all the time in that way, um, okay. which, you know, generally d- did uh sort of germinate lots of garbage and you know just regurgitated nonsense and a lot of bad you know rapping but a lot of also unbelievable rapping and i just think that in the era now where when people use the word freestyle they just mean a verse that is being wrapped over a random beat in that moment you know or when the freestyles actually just mean like well this is a one-off of just a bunch of bars i have in my head um <laughs> it's rare for you to actually see improvising from people because they don't want to be on record again. The Sage Francis thing. They don't want to be on record as having messed up because then everyone's like, man, this guy's whack. Did you hear what he said? That line didn't even mean anything. Or like, yeah, sure, but then listen to his record. Like, that's when he put all the work in. And like, also, then you go do it. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. you, for, you put a beat on and talk for ten minutes straight, and tell me that you're going to have a seamless flow of constant ideas and punchlines and intricate wordplay, et cetera. Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not going to happen. But you'll probably come up with some interesting stuff, and it'll be pretty fascinating to watch someone's mind at work, you know, mm-hmm. for five to ten minutes or whatever. If you can take the time out, and that's also I, I'm being very, I don't know, not I'm not saying this as like a, some sort of uh, smart person for this but I think it's very Mm -hmm. um or to praise myself but I think it's almost roguish it's almost it's kind of a little bit self-defeatingly rebellious to do Mm -hmm. videos that are 10 minutes long um, uh, when in a time where you know people click stop after 30 seconds and a minute or whatever and I'm kind of just you know maybe that's working against me but I think there's also something to the fact that like you said if you're distilling everything down to an Instagram video, if you're distilling all your thoughts down to a, tw- to a tweet, there's mm-hmm. something lost there in the nuances that happen once you actually open up uh the conversation a little more or you're actually able to spread your wings, you know, because otherwise you're just kind of dive-bombing a point home and hopefully it, it hits, <laughs> you know.
2: Mm-hmm. But when you're you're expressing, sort of- like, a level of vulnerability through it all, too. I mean, like, right. if you're going to talk even about a touchy subject and it's been well-crafted and well-honed there's a certain level of, uh, of guard that's been put up at that point even because you know, like, how to get everyone on your side. You're not, you know, figuring it out in that moment, and that's great, and I have a lot of respect for that. However, when I'm, like, watching you, like, if, if you're having a hard day, right, and you come yeah. in and you were to do a freestyle, and well, that's going to be incorporated in that freestyle, and some of it's not going to work or some of it's going to be really morose. However, that, that's you without yeah. a question.
3: Oh, yeah. In the, in the last couple of months, that's definitely happened, too. Or like I said, it's just been like a cathartic, you know, like things with my personal life. And then I just get I get in there and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to use this as a way to talk about this and I'm mm-hmm. not going to, you know, name drop anybody and I'm not going to talk about but I'm going to use this. it's my platform and it's my thing and it's honest and it's raw because maybe I'm not ready to write the songs about it or maybe I'm working on the songs about it but I need to talk about this now or I need to think about this out loud now and so you know there's been you know you can search through the last few weeks of or the last few months of the series and and catch a bunch of things where it's like oh man you know like I've had people Mm -hmm. message be like just watch the new one is everything cool like you seem you seem like you're in a a, a spot and like well you know i appreciate you reaching out and you know i'm sorry i made you feel weird or whatever but like uh, in another way i was kind of glad you know not for attention or anything but just just that you know i i sincerely captured or represented myself in an unabashed Mm -hmm. way that was unfettered and unedited you know
2: that you're, as if you're not hiding yourself in that sense, and I have the similar things because a lot of it's ironic as I listen to you just recount how, how you started that show and your approach to it, because that is exactly my approach to how I do the podcast. And in the sense that it was like I want to do these things, um, however, I don't have the gear, I don't have the proper ideas, or any of these things, and I'm like, well, that is probably better manifested over time. And if I just start now and I ask the questions that interest me now, I I'll figure it out. I I'll find my wings and I'll figure out how to spread them. Um and it's it's very exciting to do that. It, and it takes a lot of weight off because you don't have to be this um like Preconceived notion of who you should be, and the ironic thing is, is when you have, like we were saying with writer's block, if you have a preconceived notion of who you should be, oftentimes you won't connect with your audience.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Because you get so obsessed on this thing, and oftentimes we delude ourselves in who we should be or what the expectations are. Like you said, because the self-imposed expectations that are rife with. Um, with biased influences that are sometimes beyond their own perception. Right. And, like, you know, if you have, like, an inadequacy issue um, that can manifest itself in a way that my work doesn't compare to my idols or whatever, and in reality, everyone's like, oh, I really like this, but you're relentlessly not releasing any of your stuff because you're afraid.
3: Right. Right. Um, And I think... I also think... the point of bringing it to the idea of you and I both starting something before we felt maybe we had the adequate um, technical gear or we were able to get the right, you know, guests or whatever it might have been, you know, in the meantime, well, yeah, you're archiving stuff that may be less than perfect, but any amount of gear... Again, like there's no substitute for experience. So you can have mm-hmm. the best sounding gear, you're only just going to sound like a, a, an amateur with more uh, clarity to the recording. Yeah. You know, like you're only going to have a better produced version of the shittier version of your later self. So you might as well get the equipment. You might as well just get the. Um, Experience because the experience, the of you know, you asking the right questions or figuring out how to do the right edits in the audio or what you want to do for intros and outros and how you want to present yourself or you know Mm -hmm. me getting different cameras and camera angles or how I'll play the music or what guests I'll have on all that stuff will come in time if we continue to do the work. But Mm -hmm. you know the the practice that comes of just starting. Goes a long way, and and will only it can only be good, right? Like the practice can only the rehearsals, the the attempts and the working all those things out can only help in the long run. Um, and I think you know if I'm finding and think more and more that really you only, you mostly only regret the things you didn't do so you might as well just like start something up and go from there. You can always decide to stop the thing or delete the, if you're really embarrassed you can always delete the earlier episodes or something if you, you know, but probably chances are you'll say like well those were good at the time or that was me in those moments and that was enough and I mean that's life that's what, you know, all you can say is like as long as you, what is it like the four agreements and one of them is is um, always do your best or always try your hardest. And, you know, this way you'll at least know, well, I tried my best and I'll just take notes for the moments that didn't work. Mm -hmm. But at least I'll always be able to say, well, at the time, for whatever my capabilities were or my intentions were, I was doing the best thing that I thought I could do with all the effort that I could give it in the given whatever amount of time or with the given equipment or what it might have been. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can't have any regrets, you know.
2: It's it's all lateral in the end as as well because if you do this thing and if it doesn't manifest into like this is the show that you know becomes renowned or that a lot of people listen to and you continue on with it if you if you were not to for for whatever reason maybe now you have you still have all of the skills that you've learned that are applicable like consistency follow through um, like you were saying before is establishing uh, uh, order. Uh, on the stage, in the sense that, like you, you're comfortable, and um, if things skip up, you know how to react. Like you carry away lifetime skills from this, exactly. and I, I think that's true of anything that you do. Um, <clears throat> is that I, I, you know, folly or um, just doing something for for fun? It it has boundless amounts of benefits that will help you out in indirect ways in the future, regardless yeah. of how things turn out. You know. Mm-hmm. So, what's freestyling like to you? Could you articulate the process as it happens in your mind? Do you start with one subject and then just start uh crafting things as they come to your mind, or how does that look uh
3: yeah i would I would say. I think to some degree having a ADD or ADHD, whatever, undiagnosed, but it's, it's definitely uh, observable <laughs> if you spend any time with me uh, or record a podcast with me.
2: Um,
3: but uh, I think that that has a lot to do with it, with making that sort of m- – making those – synaptic jumps in the sporadic ways that my brain just tends to do. And I think that freestyling benefits a lot from that. I actually know of a rapper from Canada who has Tourette's and he stated that he felt that that helped him a lot somehow or that either he was able to stifle it or that it was something that he was actually able to put uh, to employ in, in his improvising that sort of helped him along. But, but in any case, I would say I, if, it can go a number of ways. In the scenario where I take a topic and I think, and someone says, okay, uh, do a song about, you know, this. Um, immediately, I'm starting to think of, like, all right, not only what are the rhymes available to, to that particular word or topic, you know, to, to for whatever reason, people yell out potato chips a lot when I say, like, hey, yell a topic. I don't know why that's a that is, it's an insane commonality, but it's something that happens. So, potato chips. So as immediately, I think, like, I'll run all the, I'll, I'll immediately in my head, and I kind of do this with songwriting as well, because this is just like rapid fire songwriting, improvising, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I'll immediately run, uh, I'll try to compile a word bank almost, or I'll try to compile, um, like there's, on one hand, there's the words, which, you know, are the kind of the colors uh for the painting and then uh mm-hmm. then there's like the the shape so there's like the the themes of the concepts so like do I want to talk about eating potato chips do I want to do something really weird where I'm like mm-hmm. uh arguing for the quality of one brand versus the other you know mm-hmm. and then so that becomes sort of the shape or the form that's going to happen on the on the canvas and I get <laughs> you know um and so uh and so what a ridiculous example but
2: uh, no i like too, that because though it's
3: completely cause... true <laughs>
2: dude that's awesome because absurd. what I, i'll like uh when i i would write i, I would fall into the trap of like mm, this is this is too silly this is like nonsense they're coming here to you know listen to this important thing but i i, I think that's that's always that stopped me and i've had to overcome that so i love hearing that that you could <laughs> create like a freestyle based on different brands of potato chips dude, that's right awesome. or
3: whatever whatever the <laughs> topic might be like when we did the live <laughs> one uh the live show, the first thing was that these, this little girl was there. It was a, they get a whole the whole gamut of people, an entire cast of characters from all walks of life. And there was a family there, and, and there some really young kids. They were probably between five and ten. And they came up, and they drew, you know, they were like unicorns, and they drew a dinosaur. And so immediately Kevin and I jump in, and we just start rapping about unicorns and dinosaurs and shit, and it was just great. So for me, it becomes... Um, I think the way that it works once I start talking, because inevitably, you know, you can construct like, I can, at this point, like, construct like eight lines in my head with like multi-syllabic rhymes and have bits of wordplay and punchlines in there, but once it comes to the talking part of it, that, that provides more steps for your brain to do, and you can easily fall off track. And I think that that is another example of the expectations kind of thing where like, okay, well you have these eight lines you very specifically want to get to, and if you don't get to them perfectly, well then you're going to be derailed, and so you don't want to commit too hard, and that's the part of the wanting to be loose enough and open enough to how you'll invariably uh, have (laughs) new variables. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the way I kind of think of it is like, it's like, I'm in like Temple Run or something, uh, mm-hmm. Where I'm just, con- I'm on a constant track, like I'm not stopping, like I, I'm going to go. And then things branch off and deviate. And it's up to mm. me to, instead of just hit a wall, uh, once I realize like, oh, I said a word weird, or I anticipated a sentence that I wasn't expecting, or no, I said, I said a sentence I wasn't anticipating, um, to opt to just take that direction, like the the improviser uh, creed of yes and, right? So um, okay, whatever, oh that was that? Okay then I'll go with that different direction and I'll just pick up that word or pick up that theme and I'm deviating and I'm I'm cutting off into that that mode now, I'm cutting off into that theme and now I'm going to rhyme or come up with homophones that are in my brain like that happen to do with that. Or I'm going to then talk about, take take the focus of the language into whatever. Maybe I said something about uh, something medical. And so now I'm going to be thinking in those terms and just picking up and collecting out of my brain as I'm going with things that are relevant to that. And just start, you know, like I said, it's different. Sometimes with the spontaneous Sundays thing, sometimes it's I just go. And I don't know, I just, the beat goes on and then I just start talking and it just becomes this stream of consciousness. And other times, like I said, if it's a topic, I'll try to stick to it. And that's something I'm really working on still is like trying to maintain focus on a given topic and do that long form improv where I'm maintaining whatever the umbrella term or request is and staying in that um because you know once you it's easy to just have no rules and just grab anything because it's all right as long as it's it's on the rhythm or it all rhymes it's kind of like oh cool everything's game then but once you compartmentalize it into a box, it both gives you, like as for a writer, that's great because th- when you're given way too many, you have the crisis of choice, you know, where it's like, I can't make any choices because I have too many. Um, oh, yeah. When it comes to freestyling, it's like, well, now I'm limited by a lot. So it's a much bigger challenge. So um, I would say it's, it's kind of like just r- like running along a track and just following like a sort of like a a tree of words, you know, and, and just being like, Well, okay, that, okay, I've prompted that and I just run in that direction, you know, uh verbally, vocally. Um, and then, okay, that, someone said that, and if and if I'm going back and forth with someone, I'll maybe pick up their rhyme pattern and, like, I'll have the, like, Terminator drop-down menu of all the options of, like, oh, he said this? Okay, these are the, the 15 words I can think of that rhyme with that or that are relevant to that theme. Um, how do I get there? You know, like, what am I going to say? How do I get there? If I have set a line and I wanna and I want to settle on whatever that line or that word is, then, like, okay, cool you got to think a couple of lines ahead, um, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, well, like I said this, now what's the next thing going to be? Okay, now how do I legitimize, like, how do I make that make sense in a sentence? Um, why would I get to that? Like, why would I say that word next? And so that's kind of like, I don't know if that's uh, an adequate or visual enough of an anal- mm-hmm. uh, analogy or metaphor, but that's kind of how it works for me. To me, it's that's, this ephemeral That,
2: that is, of interesting. Like,
3: it's like an intangible thing because it really is one of the most amazing sort of paradoxical balances to me of, of the maintaining a, a grip and a constant control of where your head goes and mm-hmm. and yet also being open enough to, you know, like you control where you're going because you have the skill set to do that, to vocalize it, to play the instrument, whatever. But at the same time, being open to the mistakes or open to what someone else is doing to influence it, and then just being able to jump in however that happens to invite you to do so.
2: Mm -hmm. It's like a really delicate balance of order and chaos.
3: Because when we're talking right now, we're we're freestyling this whole conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. we're inventing the sentences as we go unless there are things people have asked us before and they're generally you know canned answers to some degree right so mm-hmm. there are things we've thought about before and now we're just sort of like doing a loose uh, a, a loose performance of those thoughts but generally mm-hmm. and I say that to people a lot when they're like I can't freestyle I'm like you you're freestyling every time you talk as long as you're mm-hmm. just having an open dialogue And so it's just, you're putting a little, a couple more rules on it. Well, it has to be this Mm -hmm. rhythm or it has to be this tempo. Uh, it should rhyme, you know, uh, that's it. It it should have this melody, but otherwise you're just talking,
2: you know? Order is something that, that is, um, that is ingrained over time through routine Mm is I've seen in, you know, many things like right now, like I know not to be offensive, right? Like in, in the sense that I shouldn't, uh, belittle you or, or any of those things. Um, I also know how to structure a sentence, right? All of those things were uh learned behaviors that o- over time we have internalized as people, generally by the time you're like a teenager um, you know, or a little later or earlier. And that's what it sounds like to me is just when you're up on stage, you, you're having that balance between order and chaos because um, too much order is tyranny or too rigid, and it <clears throat> comes off as plastic and unrelatable and too much chaos it just it becomes nonsensical in that matter. And right. over time, the stage as a newcomer, as an amateur, is chaos, period. And then as you develop some amount of order for, like, oh, this is what it's like to be up there. Okay, these people aren't going to, like, ostracize me or kick the shit out of me because, you know, I, I'm not good at this. And it's like right. you establish that order. <clears throat> and when you're in freestyle, when you're freestyling, you're allowing other people to... uh Invite some level of chaos and you transition it into order by making some story out of it. And that is yeah. an insane relationship to have with your audience. I love it.
3: Yeah. That's, that's one of the things. That's a great way to put it. And I think that's one of the things that I, I would say it's like, hey guys, throw a mess at me and, and watch me make some sense of it. <laughs> you know? Or, uh, or watch how as soon as I go, there's going to be some form Uh, to, like, I'm going to be able to utilize this form in a complete, like, insane way. Like, it's like watching someone somehow be able to operate a... It's like, oh, you know what? This is great. This is like, when you watch someone do, um, like, one of those speed runs on Guitar Hero and Mm. all of the options are coming up, and it's just up to them to hit the buttons at the right time. Like, I've got this tempo, my mind's racing, this is happening, okay, I see these options, the options, the buttons, you know, in the analogy, these are words that are coming up, and I just have to land on them, or these are concepts that are coming up, and I just have to land on them in the right way. And, like, the Mm. weird awe of, like, how does that person in that way, at that speed, or at that, like, you know, tempo and level of articulation, like... How is that happening in this moment now like you're really watching someone go um and and there's definitely some kind of my buddy kev and i like always kind of joke about that how it's like i don't know it's just like a party trick
2: you <laughs> know
3: party trick it's just like hey look we're gonna hey give him a word he's gonna do this thing and like that was even one part of the live thing we did was like Let's just throw words at each other back and forth every four, every four lines or every four Mm -hmm. bars. We're gonna you know, just switch it off, but I'm just going to throw you a couple of things, and you're just going to have to go on that rhyme scheme until I, out of nowhere, throw you another one, and then you're just going to have to, you know, try to make sense of it or say something good or interesting or funny or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, we're try not to put too many labels or expectations on it, but giving you a framework to to work in and then see how fast you can solve the Rubik's Cube uh, uh, linguistically, is it,
2: mm-hmm.
3: there's something just innately fascinating about that, even <laughs> if it's... Entirely devoid of of meaning as far as content, you know. Um, and so, we, you know, there's all different ways to look at how you're presenting it. But I think I think that those those things are there's some some merit to it. And I found that a lot of people will say like, um, that's one of my their favorite parts of my shows is like, oh, I love when you do this. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. And I think it's also what's good about it, like we were saying before. But even in a show dynamic sense, like it offers a sort of respite from the seriousness of my uh, other, you know, rehearsed works or the stuff mm-hmm. that I've written and recorded. You know, it's sort of, you know, there is a lot of order to that. And if there's mm-hmm. too much of that, and if it's too much, if it's too one note, and which I try not to let it be, um, or if I do a series of a few songs that are relatively serious, maybe I'll try to break it up a little bit, and throw the audience for a loop again by doing something where, like, I just totally break that feeling. And I'm like, all right, let's palate cleanse for a minute and do something a little different. And let's do something that's a little fun and loosen up. And something that who knows what's about to happen, but we're all going to do it together. And for me, in a live setting, there are a few more important things than to share a genuine moment. And like what you were saying about um, the order versus chaos on stage thing, like, as as much as, like, I try not to think of performing as being the classical guitarist where all that matters uh, to some degree is that you hit every note correctly and they all rung out and sung out in the right way to the composition. You know, like, mm-hmm. I would rather, and, I, you know, you've kind of expressed a, a similar thing of, for to me, I don't necessarily want to Go experience the album perfect version of anything when I go see a group. I want to see them do medleys of the songs. I want to see the song. I want to see songs I've never or hear songs I've never heard before. I want to see little mistakes or where something blossoms out into a completely unexpected jam. Um, we're all in that room for that specific moment, and like if I wanted to just hear the songs. I'll just watch a music video or listen to the album, but we're Mm -hmm. all in this, like, very specific, fleeting, you know, mercurial time period for the whatever hour to three hours of what this concert is. Like, why don't we take advantage of that and have an irreplaceable experience? And so, Mm -hmm. whether you're doing your recorded material, whether you're doing your written material, there's something to, you know, you can just say, like, oh, I saw that person. Yeah, they did the songs I like. I don't know. It was kind of boring. Or, like, I can risk screwing up by running around, jumping around, like, replacing some words, like, because I think instead of having the album version of the chorus, I want it to actually be something that's a little more engaging. And, you know, maybe the chorus that I wrote for the song wasn't a call and response, but I'll make it that because we're in the moment of the room now, and that's what it seems like the room needs. So I'll do that. Or I'll cut a song short. And, and or cut the beat short and then do it a cappella. to do stuff that's a little different so that the moment is is more raw and real in that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I, all the performers that I've seen that I've really felt impacted by, all the moments where they're rappers or otherwise, they kind of utilize all those things. And so, you know, in, mm-hmm. in their constant growth, um, I'm always trying to take notes and be like, what do, what do I feel most impacted by? I mean, what moments do I feel like existed as commonalities between all of the my favorite concert experiences, and it is that level of abandon you know mm-hmm. it is that level of of vulnerability it's it's always the the vulnerability that you have you on the edge of your seat right like the <laughs> you're just doing the music version of of an evil Knievel stunt when you ask everyone to. To say like, hey, listen, I don't know if this is gonna work, but let's let's do a song right now about this. Or, hey, let let's all, uh, you know, you're really putting yourself out on a limb when you ask everyone to sing a chorus with you or something. Or when you're asking someone to come up and beatbox while you improvise or something you know you're really allowing the the moment in the room as the unique entity that it is and all the components made up of the unique people that are there with what they have to offer you're doing a lot more than this sort of masturbatory rehearsal of, <laughs> of your work you know which is there's something to be said for that and it's amazing mm-hmm. for people to just do the thing they did again like even just going up there is is uh, you know merit bearing enough for most people but I think like To do something truly like magic, which is I think like what what really all that is, uh, or all it can be at its at its peak of of performance or endeavor, like all the magic really comes from those moments of of taking the of of surrendering to the chaos and then Mm -hmm. building together in the moment uh, to make the performance memorable.
2: Hmm. Yeah, establishing some sort of order out of that that chaos that you're presented with.
3: Right, because invariably you as practice as you want, but the chaos is the new room you're in that night, you know? The chaos is who knows what the guy at the bar is going to say while you're performing, or who knows mm-hmm. if the mic's going to cut out, and when it does, you know, I hope you have some kind of contingency plan to, to make it all work, you know? The show must go on, but uh, I think the show must only go on if it was worth watching to begin with, so... <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly, man, and I, and I love that sentiment. Um, because even though, even if you have this, like, well-rehearsed thing and you're going up there, I don't know how it looks in, like, hip-hop, but in comedy, something I've been struggling with and been working out of me for the past couple of months is that I would, like, write... Because I love to write, but I would thoroughly write out what I was going to do. And once I did that, it was so rigid that I was distant from the audience and no one can connect with it. However, going in there with at least like a rough idea of how it sounds. I mean it's different because most of the time line by line you'll keep your lines the same when you perform at a concert venue, I imagine. But um right. with uh comedy if you're yeah literally just reading your stuff your stuff off it sounds tinny. And even in poetry I've seen it where someone's like just yep. they bring their paper and then it's not memorized and they just like read it word for word and there's no like in the moment there's no um passion there or there's no uh, connection in that sense.
3: Yeah, so. actually, just uh, several weeks ago, performed my first comedy set, uh, and it was a blast. But that was Ooh. that that was um, it was completely it was relatively off the cuff, and that was the way mm-hmm. that I wanted it to be. Because I so the last all last June um, was the second year that I did this project, Challenging Days, with my <laughs> with my friend Phil Corso, uh, who's a journalist. And um, we basically, you know, come up with 30 tasks uh, collectively. We come up with like 30 tasks or prompts or challenges that we have to fulfill and we invite anyone else to to fulfill and report on their experience. So little little things... Awful your day. Um yeah, we have there was a Challenge Days like site where we logged our experiences and, and what all of the challenges were in the past now it's been two years uh that we did wow. two consecutive Junes in a row. So that's sixty entries of different prompts and tasks. But it would be anything from, you know, call five people in your phone to uh you know, go to yoga meditation or perform something live or go see a concert or try food you've never had. Just little things to kind of change up your perspective and derail you a little bit just to see what might have happened, you know. Uh and, and mm-hmm. to maybe get something out of you or out of that specific day that um you know never would have happened. So anyway one of the one of the things was perform something live and and I decided like, well, like the day of I was like, you know, The only thing I really haven't performed live is is comedy, and people have been suggesting I do that for a long time, and I've thought about it a lot, and I was like, "Fuck it," and I called my buddy, uh, one of my friends, up, and I was like, "Hey, you know any comedy open mics or anything happening?" And uh, and he said yes, and so he met me there, and I just that day I was like, "Oh man, all right, I guess," so I just but I didn't want to rehearse. Really, I didn't want to write stuff down. I had done that, you know, and I do the daily comic, and there's a lot of little bits and, and comedy and, and stuff in there that were that are observational or just like puns and weird weird things. And and I, but I, I thought exactly what you said is that I didn't want it to be too rigid. I knew that if in a short amount of time I was really trying to be too structured, that it would come out as fraudulent or sort of. Mm -hmm. Robotic and and not uh, engaging or natural, and Mm -hmm. I think like I think for the
2: most part, I feel like the majority
3: of people are at their funniest when it's a it's a moment that's not manufactured or they're being just completely open and vulnerable, whether it's on stage or off. And, um, and I felt that that was particularly true of myself. And so, so that was my strategy was just like, well, I'll think of a couple of things and maybe the order of how someone could talk about, it. but I'm not going to touch pen to paper and I'm not going to commit to anything really. And when I go up, I'll just go and see what happens. And it went really well, actually. And, um, and it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. And again, funny enough, just like the freestyle, like asking for lack of a better term, like asking like pedestrians or non rapping <laughs> civilians to to freestyle, uh, I actually found myself less nervous to do that than I am even with the craft of rapping or poetry that I've been doing for 10 plus years on stages. You know, like I found myself way less um, nervous. And I think it was, I mean, an accumulated or a, a combined effort of all the time that I put on stages, but also because... I was just kind of going up as a gag, you know. I didn't have all these expectations of myself to be, you know, the next Louis C.K. or to be George Carlin or anything. Like, yeah, that'd be amazing. That'd be great. And I think they're gods of what they do. But I also, mm-hmm. like, I knew I was just going to go up and have fun in a moment. And hopefully it was funny or, or it was enjoyable. And that was my only expectation, and that was very liberating, you know.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and, that, and I love that because, once again, it's that removal of the expectations and the, uh, doing things that are seemingly unrelated to the thing that you're, you know, spending all of your, uh, your time on or that you love the most is surprisingly insightful. Um, yeah,
3: there's lessons in everything. I mean, even people that you don't enjoy from an artistic standpoint or whatever, you can definitely learn some version of some technique from them just as much as the people that, you know, you genuflect to from a creative standpoint.
2: Yeah, exactly. So you got a new song that's uh, out now. I do. Um, it's Yes. Dude, I like it. I like it very much. Thank you. <laughs> oh, where can people go and find out your latest songs?
3: Um, so that one is exclusively, the, the song's called Sloth, and that's exclusively mm-hmm. on Bandcamp. Uh, so it would be allonevoice.bandcamp.com and uh and that'll be up there and yeah it's a really weird dark narrative song um it was initially from a larger project um it may it may still be part of one in the future but that was another one of the that was another thing that the challenging days project brought about was it was like hey release something that you made uh to the public or whatever um, mm-hmm. because uh, Phil and I are both musicians and we both are writers and whatnot. And initially, um, I was going to my friend Danny, who's an extremely talented illustrator. Um, she was like, Oh, and, and we're working on a short story project together. Um, and she's like, Oh, you should, you should release a, a short story because she's been illustrating them. I was like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't feel like those are perfectly... Those are necessarily edited yet. I don't know. Like, I don't know that I would be able to do them justice, and I don't know of a good way to to give those out in the moment. And uh, Mm -hmm. so then I was looking through the archives of stuff, and, and I was like, this song's done. I mean, yeah, this song was pretty done. I can... I like this the way it is, and it's it's got some flaws, but I think like it's very bizarre. It's very it's kind of in line with the Dusty Dossier's project I did in December, mm-hmm. as far as being something dark and narrative driven, and um, and so I just kind of was like, yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll put it out there. This will derail some people. I think it'll be uh sort of rather mm-hmm. interesting or something different, and and so uh, and I enjoyed that about it. Um, so yeah, I just I just put it out there and. Some people seem to enjoy it, so that's
2: fun. Okay. And I love that Dusty Dusty project that you're working on. That was some killer stuff. I love your narrative work. It's always an interesting take on hip-hop for me.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah that's, that's uh, years years back. I mean, that project is, is uh, pride and joy for me, and it was also my debut on uh, Fake Four. Woo! Um, uh, Chesky released that. Um, on his label, Fake Four, um, which that was like my first label affiliated. I mean, uh, Dope Sandwich Records and Tapes released, um, I've been thinking. But Fake Four is even like, as far as notoriety and, and their standpoint uh, in hip hop and in the underground culture, they are a step up from there. So like that was oh, yeah. just another landmark as it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I liked that project a lot. And I was—it took a lot out of me, and I enjoyed it and making it. And people, so a lot of people enjoy it. And you know, I think the narrative stuff is, is some of my favorite things to do. Quite obviously at this point. And uh, I think a friend of mine a long time ago told me that storytelling was one of the best ways to communicate ideas effectively and to, you know, have emotions happen. And all those stories in those songs are 100% true. Uh, and meticulously researched, and they're all influenced by this podcast I love called Criminal. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was uh, that was a fun one, and it was it felt good. And that's the last like big thing that's come out. Although I've been working on new things, um, mm-hmm. that's the last dark, publicly archived uh, example of my work.
2: Glad <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you enjoyed it, man. It's, yeah, absolutely, man. I'm really excited for you too. You got a lot of momentum building up behind you, and I and see that you're hungry, and things are working out for you. I'm really yeah, happy.
3: I'm. I'm trying. I'm trying to just keep making things and challenging myself, and, and mm-hmm. you know, as well as challenging the form and challenging listeners, and you know, bringing bringing something new. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of potential for monotony, and a lot of potential for sort of everyone being in this echo chamber of style. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm just trying to take the values and the things I'm currently excited with and excited by and, mm-hmm. and just make something out of that. And if, it's, if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, well, it was just, like you said, another opportunity to, to learn and explore. And I feel like what what is the artistic journey if not some kind of mm-hmm. strange exploration?
2: Yeah, exactly. And just that pursuing what your curiosities and excitement is very evident with your work um and that's the most fun thing in my opinion um with I- I- any pursuit going uh is is there anywhere that people can go check out your work from spontaneous Sundays to your music
3: um so the spontaneous sundays is all logged on my youtube channel which you are free to subscribe to for free uh for freestyles um it is uh youtube.com uh all one voice um i attend i attend uh what am i saying <laughs> uh, I occasionally post these as well on my facebook page just because uh Facebook circulates its own videos more often than if I post links from external sites that's just how the algorithm hates artists um yep.
2: <laughs> but,
3: uh, you know it you know you, you you have your own experiences with that um but yeah so so youtube.com/allonevoice i like i said and like you've said uh every sa- sunday i post something um and people are are free to you know try to influence it however they want and suggest people i should you know have on there or suggest artists uh musicians or you know even topics or things i can approach or how i can change change it to make it more interesting for them and myself. Um, And then the Facebook is, I think, uh, just facebook.com slash allonevoice. That's kind of my handle for everything. Uh, I recently joined Twitter. That's consistent
0: on there as well. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. It was a blast to be able to sit down with Bruce. I mean... Getting to listen to him, trying to figure out hip-hop, writing, poetry, and his own personal beliefs in himself. And also the transition from not being able to do something and building the skills and pursuing mastery. It's very humbling. And it's a reminder, at least for me, that the things that I pursue as an amateur, sure, they might be intimidating. But on the other side, it's just more play. (laughs) Wow. Within the next couple of days, I'll be releasing one of his Spontaneous Sundays as an audio format, as a guest post on the podcast. Be sure to look out for it. If you want, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or even on the website, and you'll be notified when it drops. Enjoy your week.